Welcome to Behind the Table, produced by Ryko Theatricals. We take an in-depth look at the creative process and the creators behind it. We are flipping the audition table to be more inclusive to new stories that deserve to take their rightful place behind the table. Our show airs every Tuesday at 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern on our social media, at Ryko Theatricals. Now please welcome our host, Sherry Nell Thompson. Hello, and welcome to Behind the Table, an in-depth look at the creative process and the creators behind it. I'm your host, Sherry Nell Thompson. And on tonight's show, I'll be interviewing actor, producer, and NYC Latin storyteller, Danny Marin. We are gonna do some straight talk, pun intended, about how a member of the LB, LGBTQ community is making space for the truth. Danny Marin, come on in. Hello. Thank you so much for assuming that I'm gay. <laughs> well, you know. How could you I, tell? I, I, I do my little, my little, my little business, my little research. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> um, welcome, though. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. You know, I'm ready. I got my little hair done and my little, oh, my little lips. It's all the videos I've been like literally watching for like days. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, so, okay, so let's talk. So you are the producer of the parodies or I Put a Spell on You, the visual album, and you've also done a live version, which mm -hmm. is very like Hamilton-esque slash burlesque slash gospel choir-esque. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was feeling when I was watching it, you know? Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, I will have you know that I did subscribe to your uh, YouTube channel. And, you know, it is sort of my duty to like doc, well, I mean, research, you know, the guests before they come on. So, so I did that. And I, and I have to say that I loved the evil step trio. Like mm -hmm. I'm, I am so, you know, it was very much like a fire emoji, um, fire emoji, like a, like one of the like flamenco dancers, like all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> and so I just want you to know that, you know, whenever you're ready for me, like I'm here. That's why I did all this, you know, five, six, this is seven, the in the greatest city in the world. Oh my God. Okay, great. Well, look, I that, get was it? Your, that was your eight bar cut. Congratulations. You're good. Booked and blessed. Thank you. I made it. So this is what I'm doing now. I'm just bringing people on and then just <laughs> them them? on the spot. <laughs> Thanks. So I, I love that. Booked it. So I, but I I really appreciate you doing the research and and that you enjoy. I mean, uh, you know, we've been doing I put a smell on you for the last five years. Um, theater reference right there. Um, and you know, it it it's been very exciting. And um, and yeah, so uh, the one that you mentioned, the Step Trio, is was one of our fan favorites from our year four performance at LPR. And we when we were uh, conceptualizing the visual album that was a no-brainer that was the one that was immediately like we have to give it to the kids like the, ch the children need it the let's children. give it to them and they're gonna eat it up and and they did and you know we're we're very excited with how it turned out I mean Tony Award nominee 2020 Robin Herder like she's <laughs> ridiculous she's ridiculous and and you know we it, it we work with some of the best people in this industry. We give a lot of opportunity to new up and coming people as well. But 
you know, being able to give Robin Herder a spotlight when she's already shining so bright is just, you know, such a treat. And, you know, we loved watching her, you know, create this character. I mean, she she had a lot of input in like what we were doing mm-hmm. and the choreography and the storyboarding of it all. And she created a really fantastic character that, you know, it's clear you see the her genius. Yeah. And, um, you know, I talk about a lot uh, about that music video in particular. And we talk about, you know, professional and, and, you know, professionalism in this industry and like how easy people are to work with. Robin Herter could have done every single one of those scenes that she shot in mm-hmm. one take. Like wow. they were gold, they were gold from the start, every the start which, yeah, which, which made a 12 hour day that much more enjoyable because we just got to watch her play and like do crazier things. So we were really, really fortunate, but yeah, with I Put a Spell on You, um, before the pandemic hit, we had in January of 2020 um, uh, partnered with Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS mm-hmm. to have them to, to benefit our show. Um, our, all the benefits, all the proceeds would go to Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. So we would become officially a Broadway Cares event, which we were super duper excited about. Then March happened. Then April happened. Then May yeah. happened. May happened, right? <laughs> yeah. And so by the time we got to May, we said, well, we're not, we're probably not going to be able to do our live show. And it's really sad because our fifth anniversary and it's only gotten bigger in, in production value. We started at 54 Below and, mm-hmm. you know, went, went down to the village and had choreography and had a bigger band and had projections. We had more elements of it. So we were really sad because, you know, every year we want to up ourselves. Right. And, and so with the pandemic, we said, well, there's no live show. We can't be together. And, um, we had been talking, uh, my collaborator, J. Armstrong Johnson, um, who conceived and stars as Winifred Sanderson, um, you know, we, we had been talking for years about releasing a, a, an EP with like three or four tracks of our most popular songs. And so there started a conversation about, well, maybe this is the year to do it, hmm. which then turned into, well, if we do them, maybe we should release it to the internet and released a couple music videos. Right. To which then it turned into, why don't we make an entire visual album, make a full movie with 13 music videos, and we'll release a 15 track album. And wow. you know, and 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 the, the thing about it is is that it, you know, we we wanted to set a huge precedent, um, which we we succeeded in in the fact that, you know, we didn't want it to be shot in people's homes. So we had to go, we went through Actors' Equity. We went through the uh, Theater Authority waiver. We went through SAG-AFTRA. And we went through all of these channels in order to safely figure out what the steps were so that we could film full music videos and a full narrative movie, Mm. um, essentially, in two months. Um, So we we got the okay. We filmed all of September, all around Manhattan, um, out in Queens, out in Brooklyn, and in Saratoga Springs up in upstate New York. And shot for a month. We followed every single regulation and guideline that we needed to. Followed. We went above and beyond what the CDC asked for, and we, in a month, did our post production and released it a couple of days before Halloween. And you know, we we really stuck to our our goals of keeping everybody as safe as possible, being able to you know pay some people in this time that they really really need some some finances. Um, mm-hmm. In a pandemic, when we were all losing our insurance, we paid for their uh, COVID tests, we paid for transportation, we paid for meals. So it was really important that we provided for our community 
um, as much as possible and raise money in order to help outside people who are not directly involved in the project. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and on top of that, my, uh, me as a producer, been producing for, for five years now, um, a little over five years now, and have worked with really great people. But it was time for me in this pandemic and with the civil unrest that we are feeling to really uh, think of the bigger picture and think outside of myself as a producer and know what, you know, actually cement who I wanted to be, what I want my legacy to be. And I wanted to have a production company that was going to represent that in a, mm. in a big way. Okay. Um, and, and, and with that, you know, we, we really wanted to make sure that the, you know, key mission statement for my company reflected on this initial project because it was the inaugural, you know, production that we were doing. Right. And so, you know, that reflected on everything behind, not, not even just in front of the camera with our performers, but it had to do with everybody on our set. It had to do with everybody in production team, um, every every musician that we had. We wanted to have different people from different walks of life that can re- represent in a bigger way than it's just, you know, our close, close, close circle. Close, mm. close circle. Oh. Uh-huh. oh my God, such beautiful humans. <laughs> Ryan from YouTube. Okay, <laughs> so, you know, it's funny. I was going to ask you um, about what a visual album meant, what it was. And so you explained it quite thoroughly and quite beautifully. And so, so that, so that's great. My other question was what, why Hocus Pocus? Like why that film? I mean, I, I love it. And I know a lot of people who love it. Hopefully some of them are watching and (laughs) tell me, tell me, um, tell me why that came up as as a production point. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it, it all came from Jerem Strong Johnson and uh, his love for the movie Hocus Pocus. Truly, he's a huge fan of it. It was one of the you know one of those pieces. You know, we all have those movies that really you know are, are a descriptor of our character now mm-hmm. and like our, our ways that we view the world. And that was one of them for him. If I'm being honest, when I started on the team year one as his mm-hmm. assistant, not even as a producer, as a, an assistant to, to him, okay. um, I hadn't seen the movie. I had no mm-hmm. idea. I knew the characters and I like had seen like pictures, but I had never seen the movie. And okay. seeing the references, I was like, I don't understand some of these inside jokes. And I watched it and I fell in love with it. And I was like, this is the campiest, weirdest movie that exists. I love this. And then I finally understood the references and I was like, yeah, I'm in. I, then that, that sold me. I was all in. And, um, and yeah, it, it's really expanded. He is, Jerem Strong Johnson is one of the smartest, most creative people I've ever met. Um, mm. And, and he knows, and I hope, you know, I remind him all the time, but I, I hope he really knows. With him, like I will do, because I know that everything that he does or has an idea for is really well-intentioned and is creative and is progressive and does things a little differently than people would imagine. This remount, not remounted, but this like retelling of the Hocus Pocus story, mm-hmm. we we make it a point that we're not trying to be Hocus Pocus. Okay. We, are, I put, we are our own brand. We are, I put a spell on you. And with that, um, the story, if y'all haven't seen it, it's really fun. 
Um, it's the Sanderson sisters, as in the mm -hmm. movie, they, they come back um, from the dead and they, um, you know, their, their whole mission is to get the life potion to become young and beautiful again and they can live eternally everlastingly. Right. Right. Um, but what we do in our show, which is different than the movie, is we, um, we enlist in different villains from different franchises to help us lure the children. Huh. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really, really cool because we, we get to play a lot of fun with it. And ultimately what happens is, you know, we have Cruella DeVille trying to like, hey, come help us like lure the kids. But like, she does her moment, she has her song. Okay. And, and we said, where are the children? And you know, she responds to the witches and she's like, I'm here for the puppies. Like, what are you talking about children? So there's always <laughs> obstacles and it's really, really fun. And we really love it. And it gave us a lot of liberties to do different things. Never anticipated with the visual album. Um, mm -hmm. because, because we could, you know, we didn't have to really stick to the, uh, like, children's story characters in mm -hmm. a lot of ways. We are very, like, PG-13, like, nitty-gritty NC-17. We have sexy moments, like, you know, the evil step trio, but we also have, this year we had Gaston, played by Nick Rashad Burroughs, and I got to play his LeFou, and we were in, like, a cute little sex dungeon situation, and, like... <laughs> Uh, you know, it's just it's just really fun, just because we get to really play and create some really cool worlds that I don't think people were expecting. Um, and and for me, I like to do the things that are unexpected as a person and as a producer. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I'm I thank you for explaining that because that that actually helps a lot. Because I you know when I was watching the videos, I'm like, huh, okay. And uh, so that's so that's a good it's great to know the the directors and the producers of these kind of things. So you can really kind of know what's going on in their in their minds and their process. Um, oh, totally. Here, Diane from YouTube says love Hocus Pocus. If you um, want to watch it, it's just, I was just going to say that you can go to Broadway. If you want to just watch the music videos over again, you can go um, on YouTube. You can just type in Con Limon Productions, C-O-N-L-I-M-O-N Productions, and you can find all of the music videos. But we have a really cool cast. Um, J. Armstrong Johnson, who plays Winifred Sanderson's, Amanda Williams-Ware, and uh, Alison Robinson, who plays her, her sisters, Mary and Sarah. We have Nick Rashad Burroughs, as I said, as Gaston. We have Eva Nobozada, who plays Cruella, which we love. We have Will Swenson playing the Joker. We have so many cool people. We have Bob the Drag Queen. We have Todrick Hall. We have wow. Jay Harrison Gee. We have such, we have, okay, I'm going to spoil something for y'all. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, like, for me, I have to be excited about the projects that I'm doing. I have to be so passionate about it, or else, like, why do it? Why put hey. in all the work? And we spent six months working on this visual album and still like, together, you know, post. Um, if you haven't yet, you have to. Doing this really hysterical number. Watch the whole thing. You're going to die because Julia Madison plays a million characters and so does Drew. And it is one of the most genius things I have ever seen ever go watch it it's so okay. good i want to reiterate so because you were i think you broke up just a little bit so if you haven't yet subscribed to danny's youtube page and you like things like hocus pocus and flawless projection values please do um the we should go to broadway cares you said 
Yeah, broadwaycares.org slash spell, S-P-E-L-L. And Con Limon, C-O-N-L-I-M-O-N, Productions, is that what it is? Yep. Uh, On YouTube. So you're going to love it, okay? So, okay, let's talk about casting. I, you know, I just want to, like, go off about it. Do you cast blindly? Do you believe in it? Uh, you know, I've seen women playing men, men playing women. I've seen people playing different ethnicities than what, you know, what they are. You know, how do you feel about people playing roles that are not their ethnicity? And is there a difference between, like, playing mm. different genders and playing different ethnicities? That's a really wonderful question, and I'm so glad that you asked. Um, it really depends. I really, I really, truly believe that it depends. If and and this is where it gets a little complicated. If if a writer has specifically made a character, and this is where I will challenge people, if a writer has specifically written a character because there's supposed to be some kind of storyline that revolves around trauma, because there are certain people, certain ethnicities, certain genders, certain sexualities, mm-hmm. um, certain class systems, you know, mm-hmm. that if, if, if we cannot believe that their circumstance exists because of those things, mm-hmm. then they can't be cast by other people. You know what I mean? Because they won't be believable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I don't believe in stereotypes, I again, I, I I think that there should be room to play. There are so many shows that I would love to gender bend, that I would love to have different sexualities, that I would love have you know have it be accessible and have people with disabilities disabilities be able to play mm-hmm. in a way that in the way that we have never seen before. And and I think that we're getting there for sure. Yeah. Um, but for, for for me, again, it has to do with the story. And it has to, and and ha- for me, if again, if those things don't exist and the characters can be whomever, I will cast the best people, right? Because because ultimately, it's a story that you're trying to tell, you yeah. know. Yeah, and- there's, there's definitely been a lot of debate about it, and I've heard a lot of you know company lines about you know we had to cast this European as a as a samurai warrior because like there's really not that many um, you know people that can like play that part or have that education, and I'm like. But if there's like a billion people that could do it, I'm sure you could find one. <laughs> so I'm always curious to what producers and directors think about blind casting and versus, you know, other types of casting. Well, and I think that that, that comes with our responsibility and our accountability when it comes to that. It, it's like the whole Hairspray d- debate. I've mm-hmm. seen productions of Hairspray where in the in the writer of the the program, it says that any of them any of the non-white characters could be played by anybody. So I have okay. seen like an, an an Asian cast play not the white people. And it was just like, this is, we're talking, okay. <laughs> I'm confused. <laughs> All right. Okay. Cool. Go off. But, you know, you know, I just think that there's a really fine line in taste right. when it comes to that. And, and I don't believe in um, checkbox casting. Right. I, I don't believe in that. I don't think that they're, needs to be one of each person. I think that it's really interesting though in community theaters and regional theaters and Broadway mm-hmm. where and in film and television where we talk about this idea of Scarlett Johansson playing any of these characters because she's the best actor for the role, but there's she's supposed to be of Asian descent, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If if you were in this instant, if it specifically has to do with race, if you're a non that race, you shouldn't be writing it. Mm. 
Right. One, Interesting. Okay. One, I unless you have a collaborator who can, you know, help okay. with that, or a dramaturg who can help with that experience. Okay. I because I shouldn't be put. I, I just I shouldn't be touching that. I I mm -hmm. as a non, you know, I am Latin. You know, mm -hmm. I can pull from the Asian experience, like I know it, I don't understand it. I need to do research and or something or whatever. Yeah, a little bit of breakup in, in the earphones. Sorry. Just breakup still? That's yeah. okay. Can Go you hear ahead. Me? Yeah. I just think that there's a, a time and a place and a responsibility of what we as writers and we as producers are should should take uh take the role in 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 you know telling people stories right i i, I believe that it's it's like your example about a european playing playing a samurai and and i think that that's so interesting in, in theater when they're like we did an all-white production of dream girls because there were only dream like white people to you know so we cast effie as a white person and i'm just like you're telling a very specific story. <laughs> right. I did. A, I did a production of West Side Story. It's still one of the highlights of my my life in mm -hmm. theater. It was one of the coolest, best experiences. Now, and even then, I did not have a place of power to say anything, and I was too young to really. I knew better, but I didn't know. I, I was not in the position to do or or say anything really if I wanted to ever work again. Mm -hmm. But half of our production half of our sharks were white that they permed their hair that mm. they they uh did self tanner that they would spend all summer when they were not on stage they would be outside tanning and it was it, it's problematic mm. don't do that production of west side story if once on this <laughs> island if you don't have those people don't do it like it's 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 it no it blows my mind. It really <laughs> blows my mind that people just think that it's okay. And you know, there are case yeah. case by case on certain things. Mm -hmm. um, one of the one of the examples that was brought up to me um, a couple of days ago is that why why in Spring Awakenings do we have the ab abused Marta? Why is she always black? Because people are fucking sorry language. <laughs> people are racist and and they okay. want to put they want to put people in those bubbles and and right. want to typecast people and i'm just like why why are we doing this to our our actors right why are we, why are why are we as producers as casting why are we putting them in these compromised positions that we say that is your type you right. play the the abuse victim you right. play the 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 you know it's just it's 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 all kind of garbage and so I just think we need to be more mindful of how we cast right in general you know it happens in dance too when I was in college I mm. we had to do lecture demonstrations in the dance program and the only time that I ever got a solo was if it was a tap dance. It. yeah <laughs> tap dance and and I, uh, and I can and guess what yeah. the song was oh I'm sure you could but we're not gonna go there because I probably am using this platform as my therapy session like one too many minutes so let's um you know hot takes very early on let's do it that's what we came for <laughs> um okay so I I did speak to you about how you're making space for the truth I mean I really didn't say it in those words but you know I just you know I have my little phrasing you're making space for the truth 
like be it a bitter limon or sweet <laughs> lemonade. <laughs> so I, I'm going to take this moment and, and just kind of like go with it since we're kind of on a rant. Um, it could be, we could be like introspective where we want to go. Or we could just be curt and blunt, which is where I think we're kind of going. Um, but I don't care. But you know, what do you think about this moment? Like in the age that we're living in with social media, there's like fake news telling lies as truth and twisting the truth into lies. You know, we're here in a time where, you know, good intentions, social justice, warriors, racial ambiguity, racism, sexual orientation, gender norms, sexism, the plague that just won't quit and earth is overheating and common sense or lack of <laughs> common sense are just all kind of colliding. Mm. You know, so I, I feel like we're sort of in a free fall sometimes to a place we know not yet, but um, you seem to ver very much keep it like, you know, all straight making, you know, making light of, of the, the parody, making lights of art that may or may not imitate life where like where do you like as you begin like how do you get through all this <laughs> well thank you for asking i think this is a really cool question that i don't think i've ever been asked so thank you so much for this great question um i voted for trump um so you know <laughs> really? i'm very close-minded um <laughs> i could know i could do that yeah you know, um, just had to be a little subtle. It's fine. Yeah. Um, I have this really dope hat that I, I gifted to Julia Madison. Um, she played one of, the, I'll spoil it, one of the characters she played was Melania Trump. And you can't see it in the background. She wears this shirt, but in the background, there's a red hat. And you and it's 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 a hat that is a red hat with white letters, but it says instead of saying you know make America great again, it says uh, made you look Black Lives Matter. Oh, <laughs> and I was wearing it around because I was just like, there you go, now you know, you know. Um, but um, this is a really really great question, and if I go off on a tangent or if oh, I wow. don't answer the question, just bring me back in because I'll for I'll forget what the question was. Um, for me, this time is really, you know, I, I developed this company. Mm -hmm. Check. Did that. Right. Great. That's not where this ends. For me or for my, my work or me mm -hmm. as a producer, not where this ends. There is a huge sense of empathy that I think we've all been lacking in this time. Um, and in the the last four years, especially, I think it's been, you know, we, we talk, I think we, we jokingly say on social media and in meme culture, mm -hmm. you know, about how there's, you know, a civil war, uh, uh, uh you know, coming, coming and bubbling up, yes. you know, we, we talk about that a lot. There's a lot of civil unrest in that. And, and, you know, what is interesting to me in this time, and it's something that, I, that affects me as an artist as a person, as a producer, is the fact that I had, I have prejudice. I am, I am a person of color. Mm -hmm. I am a queer person of color, and I have prejudice, um, prejudices, prejudice, whatever. Yeah, exactly. About Within. myself. About right. myself. Right, right. And you know, it's just like I said about West Side Story and that casting. Mm -hmm. I allowed those people to make me feel. 
I was the one. I was literally the one character, one one jet or one mm-hmm. shark character that had not one single line. Mm. The wow. one, while I had white counterparts in those roles that were full lead characters, wow. and and you know I allowed that to happen because I didn't like myself, and mm. I, I I had to come to terms with that in a in a huge way, and this time was really important for me to reflect on that and to connect with my roots, and to also learn that I am one part of the BIPOC experience. I am one part of it. Mm-hmm. There are other people that I have prejudice against because it is things that we have learned, Right. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, for, for me and the way that I try to push my community is one, it's about, you know, it, it's not about cancel culture. Um, and it's not about calling out culture. It's calling in culture and saying there's a lot that we have to unlearn. Mm. There's a lot we have to unlearn. And one of those things that, you know, it's 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 the way that we talk. It's the way that we, you know, mm-hmm. it's the way that we evolve in the sense that are you willing to say, are you willing to ask the question, uh, what pronouns do you use? What are your right. pronouns? Right. As opposed to what are your preferred pronouns? Because okay. It's not, it's not a preference. Right. Get they're, into my it. Pro, they're my pronouns. Get into it. And, and you know, it, it's about going for me as, you know, a, a person of color, being able to identify myself as not Latinx, but Latin. Okay. Tell us you know? what the difference is. So it's, it's a big thing that has been in discussion about the gender neutral term terminology of saying latino because it's a male you know uh male mostly a male dominated language um so if i want to gender what what uh people had kind of evolved to for the gender neutral um was um latinx so there was an x at at the end instead Mm -hmm. so it's gender neutral but the letter x doesn't exist in the spanish language Right. So, so they changed it to Latin because it is gender neutral. Mm. So it's that conversation of being able to evolve past the things that we're being told that we should be doing. You know what I mean? It's and there's just yeah, it's just a it's just a lot of language that I think people need to be willing to learn. It's it's the it's the same thing that we we struggle with in our production as mm-hmm. a team. And and I was a stickler on is that if I misgendered you, if I use if I said oh. Uh, let's, for example, you, you're non-binary. So you use the pronouns they, they, Mm -hmm. them, right? Okay. And, but, but you are, uh, physically female presenting, right? But I am assuming your gender and assuming you go by she pronouns, right? Right. Um, and I say, oh yeah, she wants X, Y, Z pronouns. Well, that's not the pronouns that you use. So I have to then have a conversation and say, uh, you just misgendered them. So, you know, they use they, them pronouns. So mm-hmm. if they would like to play, can you say this again? And repeat it. They say their sentence over again, using it. And if they mm-hmm. misgender it again later on, I will bring it up and I will say, mm-hmm. hey, can you say that over again? And they'll go, yeah. oh, man, I, I didn't mean to do that. Right, that's right. a that's a habit that I need to to get cut cut uh cut out. You know, I always say, "Hey, you guys." That's always been the thing. Right. I can't. I I I have to cut those habits from myself. That mm. is the unlearning that I have to do because right. not everybody represents a guy, 
And, you know, it's that thing that I think as kids, people like women, young girls would say, like, I'm not a guy or like, hey, dude, I'm not a dude. Right. And, and I think we easily brush that off. And now it's like, no, I have to listen. I have to also be so mindful of what I say. Mm-hmm. And it takes an extra two seconds to think about what you're about to say, which okay. you should already be doing. Whoa. which you should already be doing <laughs> and 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 remind yourself what what that person I promise it gets so easy to be able to uh use people's pronouns uh correctly if you um, practice it if you practice it if you practice it so you know it's I think that that's the there's a lot of stuff that we can do to evolve in a huge way and I think that mm. right now especially while we are mostly confined in our homes in a pandemic is to practice yeah. that practice it let me go through a couple of these comments that are coming through i'm trying something new okay thank you let's see here those ideas need to be in your work all right thank you marshall and alexis 100 percent they're your pronouns not your preferred pronouns there you go listen i can say on that note even i have some privileges that i'm you know i'm able to like pursue my career i have a pretty solid education i have a sense of like security and stability in my life <laughs> maybe more than than most or not not most but like more than a lot of people and as much as i complain about things um that being said black women are a sort of like on the end of the totem pole and mm-hmm. you know I, I, I mean we are very magical like what is oh like, man yeah happening here we Y'all are, are like, unicorns we, we, we are protecting y'all at all costs you know and and i'm a black woman so i i have a question about that so why do you think when the term white privilege comes up you know it has been so rebuffed um is that sentiment really prevalent in your world i mean we're in the same industry but you know it's just everybody has a different perspective I I think that people uh and I'm going to say the wrong words here. Um I think people when people have heard the word white privilege, they've automatically gone to white supremacy, mm. which it which it is. <laughs> okay. And I, and I truly believe that. But, you know, in the way that you spoke about your privilege, I also I also, as a Latin person, mm-hmm. as a passable white person, right? depending on the shade of color that I wear, right? depending on how much light is on me, mm-hmm. depending on how I style my hair, how I speak, I also get to use white privilege in, or have white privilege in, yeah. in circum- certain circumstances, you know? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just think that it's, it's important that we also realize, really take accountability for the mm-hmm, privilege mm-hmm. that we have in, in a huge way. And and yeah, I don't you know, know if I've answered that question. No, no, you did. Uh, you did that great. Um, I actually was going to ask you about, you know, being, you know, uh, white passing. If you had come into situations where you have heard, you know, you've been in mixed, not in mixed company, in company with without uh, brown or black faces in it. Um, if you had experienced like, you know, experiences where you felt like, okay, people don't know that I'm quote unquote, not white. It happens a lot more often than, than I think. Mm -hmm. Um, but also in this time, I think, okay, I will tell you two things. It happens, it happens a lot more than, than people could imagine. 
Um, it really, it really does because uh, again, the way that I speak is, you know, I, I come from Orange County, California. I come from oh, like, wow. hey, dude, you do um, <laughs> like I, I come from that. So like, I've taken on a lot of those those traits. Mm-hmm. So I, I have white qual, you know what I mean? Like there, there are those little things, whatever. Yeah. I also knew in order to survive as a kid, as the one of the only people of color at a white, predominantly white school in a predominantly white neighborhood, mm-hmm. in a it, not 15 minutes away from neo-Nazis, mm-hmm. that I had to make myself as possible as possible to survive. Mm-hmm. I had to gentrify myself. Mm. Wow, preach. Uh, let me just uh, read the book White Fragility. Okay, that's yeah, that's a great book by Robin D'Angelo. If anybody has time on their hands, read it up. Um, you know, let me go through some quick fire questions because we are like you, you know, we're just going through this. Like <laughs> um, this might seem intrusive, but do you, as a producer, do you pay yourself from one producer to another? <laughs> I, do you pay yourself? That's a great question. I'm not at that point right now. Um, we worked, we worked tirelessly on "I Put a Spell on You," and I couldn't. Yeah. We didn't make any. We didn't make any money on "I Put a Spell on You." It was all for charity. So right. anything, any money that I would have made would have had to have gone straight. You know what I mean? Right. In in a, in a normal producing world, you make you make money off of your product. Once you've made your capital back and and your investment right. is paid for. You 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 get a percentage of whatever that is, you know. I'm glad you I'm glad you said that. Um, speaking of, I need to just say one little thing. Speaking of getting paid, I need to take a second to talk about our spy our sponsor, Ryco Theatricals, because well, truth be told, it is how we you know have the opportunity to get paid here. If you subscribe to Ryco Theatricals, you get to see one of my favorite podcasts on there. It's called The Overflow, with hosted by Jen Olivares and Robert James IV comes on at 1 p.m. every Wednesday. It is live, it is real authentic people with perspectives that are so interesting at the same time, very grounding. Um, they talk about issues that we push down until they bubble up and overflow. So, you know, check us out, subscribe, rate us on YouTube at Ryko Theatricals or on Spotify. You can follow us there. The more you, you guys, you guys, the more you interact with uh, with us, the more we get paid. And if you want to bless us yourself, you can also go to Ryko.org and click support and you can just hook us up right there on Venmo. So, okay, so I mean, we really, we're touching on a lot of stuff here. Let's do some quick fire questions um, because I don't want to run out of time, but I, you know, time is time, so it's going to happen. It's all an illusion. It's a construct. <laughs> Time is a construct. <laughs> we can stay here forever. It doesn't mean anything. Okay, sorry hey, about that. You, can, you can have me for another hour. Insane. I'm Insane. enjoying this. <laughs> what do you have going on or coming up? That's, that's, yeah, that's fun. TBD. Um, TBD. Yeah. <laughs> TBD. No, we have a lot of really, we have a lot of really cool projects that are kind of up in the air right now. Um, one of them is uh, that we've worked on in the past is Burning Man the Musical. Uh, we are in early development of doing possibly a film adaptation that mm-hmm. would be released this year. So that's something that we are working on. Yeah, we're very excited about it. Um, and yeah, and and uh, I'm working with uh, Eamon Foley uh, of Everyday Rapture uh, on Broadway and uh, 13 the Musical with Miss Ariana Grande. Um, wow. 
but I'm I'm working with with Amen on a couple really 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 cool projects that we're hoping. Uh, one of them being um, a theatrical production that would be mounted in LA um, that we're working on. Um, one that is a new musical that he has written that we are in development for. So we have a lot of really cool things that are happening. Uh, nice. Nothing to super announce yet. Mm. I put a spell on you, year six, already talking about it. So be prepared for that. That's, that's so exciting. Okay, yeah. I have a little segment that I do with everybody. It's called Hindsight is twenty twenty. And as 2020 is behind us, it is also really literally hindsight is 2020. So my question to you is- Not for me, I am so blind. You just <laughs> oh my God. Listen, you you see more than you think that that's what I believe, <laughs> especially after talking to you for the past 40 minutes. So, okay, so if you could go back 10 years to 10 years younger self and you, you had, some advice that you've learned now that you didn't know then, what would it be? And it could also just be like general advice to people out there who want to be actor producer types. Great. So 10 years, you said? Yeah. You know, I mean, it depends, no. you know, on your. I, I love it. I know exactly where I was at. So <laughs> okay. at, ni- at 19, I, I, I'm 29 now. I just turned 29. So I'd be 19. It'd oh. still be living. I'd still be living in L.A. Um, just, just about getting ready, um, about a year away from moving to, no, I'd be a couple months away from moving to New York. Um, go as no, I wouldn't say go as soon as possible because I, th- that last summer is, is when I did that West Side Story production and that's what made me move to New York. Mm. Um, it really, really inspired me. But what I would, what I would say to that version of, of myself is to be fearless, is to, do all of the things that you're afraid of because what is the worst that could happen? What is the worst that could happen? And and I say this to a lot of my clients. I say this to a lot of my staff. I say this to anybody who ever comes to me for advice. I say, reach out to the people that you want to work with. Mm. Reach out to them. What is the worst that could happen? The worst right. thing that could happen isn't them saying no. The worst thing that could happen is they do not respond back to you. That's the worst thing. If they say no, you've gotten an answer. Right. Oh, I like that. I really love yeah. it. Okay. But, but I, but I, but I would truly tell tell that version of myself to be fearless and to go for what I want because ultimately, as an, as I've gotten older, that's the more that I take the risks and and really go after what I want to. I put a spell on you was a perfect example of that because you know for me, I was afraid to to hit these milestones. I was afraid to work with some of the people. I was afraid to ask for money. Right. And if I did, if if I hadn't gotten over that, I, we wouldn't have had a, as great of a visual album as we had. We wouldn't mm-hmm. have worked with as great as the people that we did. And and the other thing that I would also say to that, Danny, and to anybody truly, mm-hmm. to be humble and to be compassionate and be empathetic wow. and to lead with love. And it has taken me a long time. It's one of those things that we we know, we know we should. Right, but, but do we know how? But do we know how? And I think that that's really incredibly important in these times, in the future, and just moving forward, is yeah. to lead to to always lead with love because people will find their way back to you. You can make amends. You can do a lot of healing with a mm-hmm. lot of people. Yeah. And and again, it expands. It cultivates a new world for yourself because you have a lot more allies than you had yeah. before. So I I I would say that I think that's a big. 
I love that. All of that. And you should put that on a little um, keychain or something. Or it's now on a tele uh, on a t-shirt. It's uh, (laughs) it's available. (laughs) (laughs) Buy it now. It's on sale. Okay. Um, Go to conlimon.org and you can buy. (laughs) You can buy it on a mask. Absolutely. I'd do it. I'd do it. Like the whole paragraph, just like have people just staring at you. Like, oh, they're like, passion and love. You're like, and, oh, interesting. You're, you're like, you're too close to my face. You shouldn't be able to read this. <laughs> okay. Well, speaking of uh, finding the tools to, to have compassion and lead with love, where can I find you? I mean, do you want to be found? Actually, I think, you know, actually we have... <laughs> Let me see here. Oh, right. Let's see here. I have you at it's Danny Marin. At, yeah. It's yeah, at it's Danny Marin. Cool. Yeah, you can um, find me, you can find me personally at it's Danny Marin. Super okay. easy. Um, and you can find my production company at con C O N Limon L I M O N Pro P R O. That's abbreviated the production. Um, and, and you can follow us and, and see what we're working on. And if you want to be a part of our community, we have an artistic haven that, you know, everybody is welcome to. And it's a bunch of artists that come as a community, as a collective. We read each other's plays and pilots and give each other feedback. We provide right. resources. We, if, if you have a project and you say, you know, I, I, I don't know how to get the money for this, we'll help you find those resources. Oh, okay. Um, we're we're educated. What was that? That's my new best friend. <laughs> oh, okay. This is great. I, you know, actually we need to really repost that. I will go and repost about this um, at a later time because this is really important. And these kind of, this kind of support is really important for artists just in general at this moment, because the moment that we're facing, we have to meet it with all of the whole arsenal of what we have, you know, no pun intended, you know, the arsenal, but we have to meet it with, we have to meet it with love and compassion, but we also have to meet it with resources. And so, yeah. And I want to say one last thing before we finish off. And and I I think it's really important uh, for anybody that's listening to this, anybody that's watching this, Mm -hmm. we are not in a competition. We're not in a competition. We are all collectively colleagues in this. Mm. So the way that we can create art is not by competing, it's by giving a helping hand. And for me as a producer, if anybody were to say, I would love some advice, I'm not gonna not take your call because I'm like, well, what if they take some, like my resource and like they have a better, no, we're all creating art. We can all help each other out, help each other out. Help help each other out. It's actually like quite likely that they won't. <laughs> People have uh, very little follow through in this in this situation, so maybe maybe they would. Uh, but who's going to do it the way you're going to do it anyway? I well, want to. Ever... You'd be surprised. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> you know, after after living in New York City for like ten plus years, like I feel like I can't be surprised, you know. But but I absolutely believe that I can, and I and I'm still like you know, ready for wonder. Um, a special thanks to Ryko Theatricals. We're here because of you. Thank you so much. And if you really like us, or even if you just like us a little bit, um, just um, <laughs> so we can collect these Showtime coins. I know you guys hey. are like not getting on the train that much, so you have extra coins to give. It's Showtime for us. And if you're out there and you want to support or watch any of our seven podcasts, you can get us on uh, Spotify again. And when you're on the go or if you're on YouTube, when you're just chilling out at home, you can find us there. 
get yourself over to rightco.org and show us some love. Peace. Thank you so much, Danny. I really feel like um, you might, you know, see me at your front door like, Danny, hey, we're friends Please. now. You've got, you've got my phone number. You've got my email. You can know where do. to find me. You can't get away now. Anywho, all right. It was a pleasure. I love it. It was Same. great. You have a lovely, lovely, lovely evening. And thank you, you everybody. Too. There's so many comments. Always lead with love. Oh, very great, very good content. Let's see here. Yes, I like that. Thanks for the great talk. Where are we? Um, so many, so many good. Thank you guys for watching. Uh, again, I, I keep going with the you guys, but you know, here I am learning and, and living. Um, <laughs> so um, we'll see you next week. I'll be here and I uh, hope you will too. Later. You've been listening to Behind the Table, a weekly podcast from the Ryko live streaming series produced by Ryko Theatricals. Everything you heard was recorded live on our social media at Ryko Theatricals. You can support this podcast by sharing us on social media, writing a great review, or donating at www.ryko.org/support. Thanks for listening.